On Sunday, voters in Argentina shocked the world, and perhaps themselves, when they elected Javier Millet as their next president. A massive political shakeup in Argentina. Millet is an economist with views far outside the Argentinian mainstream. Says he'll bring a chainsaw to the economy. In fact, he brought a chainsaw to many of his campaign rallies as a prop. Also advocated for eliminating the country's central bank. And a record of, well, colorful behavior. Known by his fans as the crazy and the wig. For his larger-than-life personality and hair. But after years of economic catastrophe, that sounded like rather a good thing to nearly 60% of the voters. Now he's in charge of the third largest economy in Latin America, as it teeters on the edge of disaster. Since Mile emerged as a serious contender, the outside world has been trying to figure out this man, comparing him to Donald Trump or Jair Bolsonaro. I think he's himself. He's sui generis. Tom Hennigan reports on South America for the Irish Times. Thoroughly Argentine in many ways, as well as being a complete kind of shock to the Argentine system. He's very unlike what their politicians are, but he is a recognisable figure, um, I think, to anyone who has been in Argentina, spent time there. But no one you ever imagined in a million years was going to end up being their president. This is in the news from the Irish Times. I'm Bernice Harrison. Today, who is Javier Millet, the madman who will be Argentina's next president? Tom, Argentinians went to the polls this week. How unexpected was Javier Millet's win? Did the pundits see it coming? Well, he was the uh, slight favourite going in to Sunday's vote, uh, but the result, the the size of his majority, uh, took everyone by surprise. And I think it's also um, important to remember that just a few months ago, he was uh, in teens, in the teens in the polls, in third place. And he was considered this new phenomenon uh, in Argentine politics, but it was really only uh, his truest believers who could imagine that in a few months he would topple the entire traditional political system. First of all, knocking the traditional centre-right opposition to the ruling Peronists out of the runoff round and then crushing the Peronists uh, in, in it. So... It is it is a surprise and it is, I think, not an exaggeration to say it's something of an earthquake in Argentine politics. Now, I think to understand uh, Mila getting elected, we're going to need to know something about recent Argentinian history. Um, the president for the last few years has been Alberto Angel Fernandez of the populist Peronist Party. And he's the man Millet will replace as president. Now, he didn't run again. Instead, his finance minister, Sergio Massa, was seeking the election. And you wrote in your report this week that this was despite Massa, and I'm quoting here, overseeing an economy rapidly contracting while representing a party that is an endless source of tawdry corruption scandals. So can we talk about that? What are the key economic problems in Argentina right now? Well, if we go back to 2001, the last time the economy imploded, the population then took to the streets and were demanding uh, again to kick out their entire political class. But what happened was the Peronists managed to stabilise the ship 
come in and take advantage of a commodities boom that was a huge advantage to all South American economies uh, driven by Chinese demand. And that was a huge infusion of cash into the Argentine economy. And it allowed the Peronists to basically have a huge intricate system of handouts and subsidies right across Argentine society, which bought social peace, uh, it diminished poverty and helped sustain it in power for most of the last 22 years. But with the end of the commodity boom around a decade ago, it is essentially the tide has gone out on that model. And rather than admit it and make the uh, adjustments, the Argentine solution has been essentially to print pesos. That has fueled inflation, and there are many, many structural issues in the Argentine economy. For voters, the last 10 years has increasingly become an inflationary period where they've had to more and more focus on how do you offload your income as quickly as possible before it loses value. You know, it's at, at a point now where your salary at the beginning of the month is going to decline by as much as 10% before your next paycheck arrives. So that kind of environment leads to very short-term thinking. We talk about inflation here on, on this part of the world, but it's nothing like the inflation Argentina has experienced? Nothing at all. I remember about 10 years ago passing through Buenos Aires airport, uh, making a connection and a kind of restaurant snack bar that I used to go to. I noticed that all the prices had disappeared from the board above the counter and from the menus. And when I asked about that, they said that the prices were changing so regularly that they had uh, taken them away and they had a kind of a a photocopy sheet with the prices. And that was my first sort of indication that uh, inflation was becoming a serious problem there. It's now running at about 143%. I think Sergio Massa had no real solution as finance minister to the issue. He ran a campaign of fear, basically saying that you have a solution being offered by Mille that is going to bring enormous economic pain. But I think what uh, Sunday's result shows is that most voters were just so angry with a decade of uh, declining income, increasing poverty, a sense that the government had no solution that they were willing to take a chance on an outsider with a radical programme who to be fair to Mille, has said, is going to be a very painful adjustment, but the country needs to go through it. In light of all that, Argentinians were looking for alternatives. And look, they sure found one in Javier Mille. His fans, even his fans, affectionately call him the madman and the wig. And I, I just run through the basics. He's 53 from Buenos Aires, working class background. To me, he looks like someone from a 1970s TV show, the big hair, sideburns. And most Argentinians will know him from TV because he's an economist who's worked as a TV economic and political pundit. So the key thing about that, of course, is that he's not a politician. In 2021, he entered electoral politics. He became the deputy uh, in the national parliament. Now he's the president. But, you know, look, that's an outline. That doesn't capture the man. Can you describe Javier Millet? Well, I think, uh, you know, the nickname The Madman says a lot. Uh, we're talking about someone who, as you mentioned, became known by appearing on quite trashy TV shows uh, where they would get panels of just 
very eclectic um, public figures, throw them together and discuss the issues of the day. And he realised that uh, the more aggressive, provocative he was, the better the ratings, the more he was called back, uh, the more his profile on social media started to grow. Um, but that nickname, the Madman, actually goes back to his school days. Uh, he was known for his explosive temper. He has said that he uh, suffered violence at the hands of his father uh, when he was growing up. Um, he uh, reportedly had a number of uh, verbal, very aggressive verbal disagreements with other residents in his apartment block in Argentina. So it doesn't seem to be exactly just a pose uh, to boost his profile and ratings. Uh, he uh, does seem to have a histrionic streak in his personality. But then again, he also has qualified as an economist and did his uh, postgrad work in two of Argentina's most prestigious private universities. He has published 11 economic books. Uh, he worked as a financial consultant, uh, becoming chief economist at the company of one of Argentina's richest men uh, who um, endorsed his campaign. So it's not that he's uh, just a TV personality. He was known in a select kind of economic circle within Buenos Aires, even though he was something of an outlier in that world. See, Tom, all that sounds really promising for a president. But then you read his biographer wrote that Millet was inspired to enter politics and seek the presidency uh, by a very unexpected individual. And that would be his dead dog, Conan. Tell us about that. Well, his dead dog, Conan, died in 2017. He was so devastated. He uh, paid to have Conan cloned. So uh, there are four clones of Conan now who he calls his uh, his four-pawed children. And he was so devastated by Conan's loss, he started uh, working with a medium to enter into contact with Conan and has at times claimed that it was Conan who told him to enter politics uh, and that he would um, eventually end up being the president, which, you know, would put him somewhat in the context of uh, the Argentine middle class, which in recent decades, like many in South America, have turned to more esoteric religions and beliefs. Um, uh, so it might be a very profound, deep belief he has, or it could be part of this eccentric media personality type that has catapulted him into the public eye and now into the presidency. It's hard to know. Well, now, speaking of esoteric beliefs, uh, another nugget about him is that he has claimed to be an expert in tantric sex, which I'm here to tell you, I don't know very much about. In fact, I think the last time I saw tantric sex in, in, in any sort of publicity was when Sting was banging on about it, the expression, <laughs> in the late 1990s. So what's that about? That, I think, again, um, goes back to his career as, uh, you know, one of these panellists on trash TV. Uh, Argentine TV sort of prefigured the worst of social media years before social media took off. And uh, being the more outrageous uh, you were, the, the better it was for your career in that world. 
So the tantric sex, to be honest, is uh, has been picked up, I think, internationally because uh, it's one of the more publishable things that he has said about his sex life on those shows. And I, I don't know that we want to go into it there, but uh, it, he's been more explicit and more vulgar about his sexual past on those shows. So the tantric sex is, I think, just the uh, the more publishable part of that history. Jeepers, Tom, clearly political programmes on Argentinian TV are considerably more racy than uh, programmes that we would see here. Very much so. Uh, but they, they they can be appealing for it the first one or two times you see them, just the, the shock value. But after a while, it's dire stuff. Coming up, what will Mille do when he takes over? I continue my conversation with Tom Hennigan. Tom, since Mille's win, there have been lots of words applied to him. Populist, far-right, anti-woke. How would you describe his politics? I think the the most important um, thing to understand about him is that he is anti-establishment. That's the main main thing. Um, I think many people who voted for him and I'm talking about the 30% who are his sort of hardcore support, voted for him because he was uh, always railing against what he called Argentina's political caste that had run the country into the ground. And that was um, attacking both left and right. So he's anti-establishment. I think that's the, the, the most important thing about him. Uh, he is a very heterodox mix of kind of ultra-libertarian. He calls himself an anarcho-capitalist. He is widely described as ultra-liberal, as I say, a libertarian. He himself says he prefers a night watchman state. He doesn't want to completely do away with the state like doctrinaire libertarians. He just wants a very minimal state. But he has also flirted with not just ideas, but also politicians both in Argentina and abroad who are more classically far right. So Spain's Vox far right party, he has been to Spain to speak at their rallies uh, and he is friendly with the Bolsonaro family in Brazil who were plotting against Brazil's democracy just a few months ago. Um, So there is a, a very hazy line between his very libertarian side and a more far right side. And I think power is going to reveal which is more important of those two tendencies in his thought uh, once he gets into into government. Now, one of his most eye-catching policies is that he wants to ditch the national currency entirely and have the country use the US dollar instead. Why does he want to do that? And is it being perceived as being a runner? He wants to do it because the peso is increasingly worthless and Argentines don't trust the peso. Um, As I was saying earlier, when Argentines now get their paycheck, they're quickly trying to offload it either by buying things or buying dollars uh, because the peso is losing value all the time. He also believes that dollarization of the economy would um, enforce monetary and fiscal discipline on the federal government, which he will now be heading up. Whether it's feasible or not is very debatable. A lot of economists say it's not, and that's even a lot of um, right-wing economists are dubious about the plan. It would be a very, very major change in economic direction and high risk and long term um, could be uh, very um, damaging to, to the country. Many people have warned, warned him against it, but it is his banner policy. 
We've also seen reports this week that people in Argentina are afraid that he might erode rights, hard-won rights, by women and by LGBT plus people. What's the thinking there? On one hand, he says he is, as a libertarian, he has no problem, for example, with gay marriage. He sees that as a private contract between two private individuals and the state should not interfere. At the same time, he says that he wants to roll back Argentina's um, uh, abortion law, which liberalised abortion in the country. Uh, And that was actually quite a key Uh, element in getting a lot of the right, making the right in Argentina comfortable with him. Uh, He has around him, including his vice president-elect, several figures who are from the kind of the far right, far Catholic right, people who as Catholics um, are calling the Argentine Pope Francis uh, a communist and want to break off relations with the Vatican. So there is fear that some of the um, progressive social gains of um, recent years will be rolled back. Every country has its own contested history to deal with, and uh, Argentina is no different. But one issue that there's been consensus on there has is the condemnation of the military dictatorship that ruled with terror in the, the 1970s and the 1980s, killing an estimated 30,000 people. Now, there are some signs that this consensus is starting to fray a bit. And Mile is on the side of those who are questioning that. What are the issues and what's at stake here? Mile is um, quite uh, subtle on the question of the dirty war and that he doesn't deny that there were abuses um, committed by the military dictatorship, but but like many people on the right in Argentina, tries to reframe it as a war between uh, the state and subversives and excesses were committed on both sides. What uh, Mille and his uh, vice president, Victoria Villaruel, have tried to do is say that there were there were victims on both sides. It wasn't just uh, the military that committed crimes. They have actually said that they are not against prosecuting officers for abuses. But why are the guerrillas and some of them are in public life? Why have they not been charged and prosecuted for what they did? So it, it's it's quite a he's not denying what happened but he's trying to reframe it. Um, But that in itself is a very divisive, polarizing approach in Argentina. Um, And one of the ways, you know, that he has done this, they've questioned uh, Mille and uh, Villaruel have questioned the numbers of people who were disappeared. Uh, That has inflamed uh, people on the left, progressives. But it has appealed to many particularly younger people, I think, who feel that the human rights issue and the dirty war narrative have been commandeered by the Peronists as a sort of a banner of the government and undermining it in ways that they think they can defend questioning the number of disappeared or uh, postulating that it was actually a war between two sides is not so much trying to refight the dirty war, though some people do want to do that, but more a way of undermining the narrative about Argentine recent history. It is worrying, though, particularly because uh, Mille has, one, talked about slashing 
state spending, slashing the number of ministries in the country, but has said he's going to boost defence spending. He wants to make his vice president the defence minister. She has an organisation that has defended uh, and provided support to military officers that um, have been accused of human rights abuses. And uh, so there is a, a fear that he is open to the idea of bringing the military a bit back um, closer into the centre of politics from its sort of exile on the fringes since the end of the dictatorship in 83. So, Tom, Mille is going to take office in December. What does it mean for Argentina? And, and will it have any impact beyond Argentina, specifically in the neighbouring countries of South America? What it means for Argentina, as one very prominent analyst said there, it's, they're entering terra incognita. Uh, no one really knows. Um, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see who Mille appoints uh, to ministries. It's going to be very interesting to see, is he able to cobble uh, a coalition from what he has always attacked as the political caste that still dominates Congress. If he wants to get his more radical proposals passed, he needs support in Congress. He doesn't have it. His party is a fringe group in there. So no one really knows how this is going to go. There's also a question about Mille. Is he a madman? Is he the histrionic person that we have seen over the recent years? Or is he a more Machiavellian figure who understands the limitations that he now faces? And will he look to try and navigate a way through those and get as much as possible of his programme in rather than go maximalist and possibly flame out? That all remains to be seen. So for Argentina, we really don't know what's going to happen. Regionally, it's very, very interesting what's going to follow with uh, a Mille presidency. He has said he wants to pull the country out of Mercosur, the main trading bloc uh, for South America. He has attacked Lula, the president of Brazil, um, Brazil being Argentina's most important bilateral relationship by far. They don't seem to have any conversation going at the moment since there was no exchange of uh, congratulations when both of them won elections. China is another. He has attacked Xi as a, as a communist dictator. Argentina is very dependent on trade with China. So it's interesting to imagine how Mille will turn the sort of firebrand TV, trash-talking TV personality into um, the, the statesman role he now has to assume as a politician and a president, and how he deals with that is going to be fascinating. That's it for today. For more reporting on South America from Tom Hennigan, subscribe at irishtimes.com forward slash subscribe. I'm Bernice Harrison. This episode is produced by Declan Conlon. In the news, we'll be back tomorrow.